0: Welcome to the Raise with Jesus Podcast, the audio home for Resurrection Lutheran Church of Maumee, Ohio. You've got your daily Bible reading for November 13th, looking at the Book of Romans, chapter 1. Today's Study Saturday is actually a replay from a few years ago when I interviewed Miss Cheryl Culling from Wisconsin Lutheran Child and Family Services on the topic of grief and the Christian. Here goes.
1: As we get started here, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you currently serve. Um, kind of how you got into the field and uh, what your credentials are. I'm sorry if I messed up on your title already.
2: <laughs> no, that's no problem. Um, well, I have been um, a licensed clinical social worker um, in the field for about 20 years now, and I've had the privilege of working for Wisconsin Lutheran Child and Family Service, Christian Family Solutions for well over a decade, and I love being able to incorporate really good, sound, clinical mental health practices um, into the counseling that I'm able to provide along with God's Word. Um, It's wonderful to be able to start and end sessions together with a prayer and to incorporate scripture uh, in the healing process that takes place in the counseling office. I am also board-certified as a professional Christian counselor, and I'm also board-certified as an expert in traumatic stress. So work with a lot of individuals who have experienced something of a traumatic nature, and that's a pretty broad category. Um, But I really became interested in the field probably back to childhood, just really had a love for children and adolescents, and that just kind of grew over time to... um, the work I do now where I get to talk with some pretty wonderful people, um, starting with kids all the way through older adults, about uh, the challenges that they face in life.
1: Wow. uh, (laughs) It sounds like a very challenging but um, fulfilling field of service.
2: It's highly rewarding, absolutely.
1: Great. Well, uh, thanks so much for taking the time. And today we would particularly like to talk about uh, obviously, your area of expertise and talking about grief and um, mm-hmm. and how the Christian deals with grief and how the Christian kind of reacts to traumatic stress. Um, as we get started, how would you, you know, what is grief and why do we grieve? Or, um, you know, what is it that we're grieving? Um, just kind of in general, when we're talking about grief, what do we mean?
2: Yeah, excellent question to get us started. Well, I think in the most classic sense of the word, we associate grief as a process that we go through um, after a death. Um, And this, I think, has been expanded, this concept, this notion, to include the fact that we can grieve um, after many different kinds of losses. Um, Divorce is a definite loss. loss of a job, uh, loss of an important relationship, um, so that grief can be applied to many situations where there has been a significant loss. And I think, you know, we feel grief because if we've lost something that's important to us, um, especially if it's a loved one, um, especially if it's a close loved one, maybe a spouse, a parent, a child, a sibling, a dear, close friend. Uh, Because we loved much, we're going to grieve much. Um, It's just, it goes hand-in-hand with the fact that we loved much. (laughs) And I think, you know, we often um, hear about grief kind of happening in some stages. There was a... um, a very powerful book written by Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross back in 1969 about death and dying. And I think many people um, have found that kind of the stages that she outlined are really helpful to think about when it comes to grief. And it's important to know that not everyone goes through every stage of grief. Um, Some people might be in one stage longer than another. Um, Some people could potentially skip a stage, um, but that at least kind of for discussion purposes, it's kind of helpful to to talk, I think, about each of these different stages a little bit more in depth and detail. Yeah, Um, definitely. Yeah, almost always the first kind of stage uh, in the grieving process is just a sense of denial. Um, and I think as Christians, we can really view that as sort of God's gift to kind of help mm-hmm. psychologically buffer us when we've been faced with a serious loss. That rather than experiencing the full emotional impact all at once, which could be incredibly overwhelming, but I think God in His goodness, since He's a patient and a gentle God, allows us to um, be able to deal with that full impact in bits and pieces over time.
1: Okay, so I, yeah. I have never thought of a denial as a gracious gift of God. But, yeah.
2: um, <laughs> I think when we're talking about grief, it certainly can be that just, mm-hmm. you know, especially if, if the loss, let's say if it's a death is unexpected. Um, maybe there's been a a car crash, for example, or some other kind of tragic, totally unexpected event that happens. Um, for many people, I think um, it's just so shocking Um and that it's, again, I think a, a gift to be able to slowly absorb the full meaning of that loss. So I think it's it's helpful just for surviving. It's helpful for coping, um, that we can deal with things in smaller bits. Um, but often that denial and that kind of shock uh, phase can be accompanied by a sort of numbness that. You may talk to people who've experienced a a dramatic loss, and you might think that they would just be in tears all the time or unable to function, and they may kind of look like they're numb. They may say that they feel kind of numb, and that's not unusual at the very start. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very often at some point after that, people are going to go through a period of anger. Um, Anger at... Life, anger at themselves, anger even at—be kind talking about a death, the person who died, um, sure. anger at God. There can be anger about the doctors and why couldn't they do more? Um, just anger, and that can come out in a lot of different ways. Um, some people turn anger inward. And they get depressed. They may kind of socially isolate. They may withdraw. Other people might express their anger in outward ways. Um, You might have people who never raise their voice start yelling and screaming or things get thrown or things get broken um, because people are just really angry and might be having a hard time finding some positive ways to release that. Um, I think the good news when it comes to anger is that often anger is kind of energizing and and it can help give us the energy that we need to um, pick up the pieces of a Mm -hmm. life that is changed. Um, Whether that's because we have to take on some new roles, whether that's because we need to plan a funeral, Um, that that anger can give us energy. Um, Very often there is bargaining that takes place when someone um, has experienced a loss. Or let's say that someone maybe has um, been given a terminal uh, illness diagnosis or a loved one has. Um, Not unusual for people to, to tell me in the counseling office things like, you know, I, I find myself saying things to God such as, Dear God, if if you'll just take me and let them live, you know, I'll mm-hmm. agree to that. Or, Dear Lord, if, if I just promise to never do this again or to always do this going forward, Lord, would you please heal this person? Would you please let them live? Um, would you give them one more week, one more month, one more year? Um, so bargaining... Not necessarily rational or logical, often highly irrational or illogical, but yet something that's a very common experience for a lot of people um, often after that can come depression mm-hmm. and you know the depression that that is part of grief is not a mental illness this is just this is just understandable and it's just normal um, but gosh it, it can feel um, awfully, awfully profound. I think many people say, you know, I've never experienced anything like the depression that I experienced when I lost someone who was so dear to me. Um, And maybe I just don't know that I've got the coping strategies to deal with this because I've never experienced this sort of deep kind of hurting. Um, And so i just letting people know that this is normal. And that you just need to give yourself permission to experience it. Mm -hmm. And then, hopefully, um, the good news is that after a significant loss, um, after people have kind of worked through the anger and the sorrow and the bargaining, um, they'll come to a place of acceptance. And that doesn't mean that they're happy about the loss or glad about the loss or that it's okay or all right, but that. they, they've they kind of come to a place of healthy, positive adjustment. Um, they've developed some sort of new sense of normal. Um, maybe they've developed some new relationships Maybe they've developed some new skills to be able to cope. So those are kind of the, the stages that many people find themselves going through. Mm-hmm. And, again, this is not a linear process. It's not like you, you know, finish the on Wednesday, right? That <laughs> yeah, was with anger yeah, really. by Monday. Um, it's not that simple. People can bounce from one emotion to another, from one phase to another, and back and forth. Um, and that's not unusual either.
1: So that's, you know, to say you would jump around into, well, not necessarily jumping, but... That these are the characteristics of grief, and um, Mm -hmm. whenever they show up, is okay. And if it happens to be, you know, denial one day and anger the next, and acceptance, and then you're back to anger or denial or one of the other ones, Mm -hmm. um, you're saying that that's not really unusual.
2: That that is not unusual. And you know, I think I talk with many people who say, "Well, I thought I was in the acceptance phase. I thought I worked through all those things, but yet." Today I found myself feeling so sad again. I just burst into tears. I, I, I saw something. I heard something. I read something, and it brought back this memory. And the next thing I know, the tears are just streaming down my face, and I completely was caught off guard. I didn't expect that. I thought I was done with this. Um, that is not unusual either. Um, so, the grieving process. Um, you know often kind of the the bulk of the grief will take place in the first weeks and months and maybe even year or two after a significant loss. but um, when holidays, when birthdays, when anniversaries roll around, for example, it's not unusual to kind of find yourself kind of going through a mini grieving process all over again because those are such powerful triggers. Um, of such powerful memories and such powerful emotions that are associated with those. So it doesn't mean that somebody has, you know, relapsed and is doing something bad or wrong. It can just be very normal for months, years down the road, people to say, God darn, um, I find myself (laughs) feeling so sad all over again or so mad all over again.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then talking about grief, um, Everybody, everybody experiences losses of, of different types and different sorts, mm-hmm. um, but you also said that you work with a lot of children as well. How is, are these characteristics of grief different for them, or how is it that children and adolescents differ as to how they process their grief, so to speak?
2: Mm-hmm. That is such an interesting and, I think, important question, too, that um, just like every adult is going to grieve differently. So um, let's say we have three siblings and their their father has just passed away. Um, one might cry an ocean and another might not shed a tear, but they both feel that deep loss profoundly. Mm-hmm. Um, one might be kind of more angry than anything and another um, more depressed than anything that again there's not a right way there's not a wrong way to do this this is a completely unique and individual thing um, I think people often say to me I thought I was going to be so sad but then I wasn't or I thought I was going to be so mad but then I wasn't or I didn't think I was going to be but then I was um, so often it's a, it's a very unpredictable kind of an experience um, and for children um, it can be even more challenging in that, probably for small children, young children under about the age of seven or eight, it's just developmentally um, very difficult for them, if not impossible for them, to fully grasp death, um, the finality of it. Um, it's just with their with their. Very um, concrete ways of thinking, it's a hard concept to come to terms with. So, children might um, just think someone has gone away, but they're coming back, or they're asleep, but they're going to wake up. Um, They may not fully understand how um, permanent this really is. And so, therefore, they may have reactions that you know, kind of go along with that. That that can sometimes be sort of an emotional buffer for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen adolescents whom, um, kind of on the flip side, if they're already having a challenging time managing and regulating their emotions just because they're teenagers and they're dealing with puberty and with hormones, that then if we toss grief on top of that, um, it may feel even more challenging for them to cope, that they may feel um, just kind of less emotionally stable to begin with, Mm -hmm. Um, and then if we toss a major life-changing event um, on top of that, it can be even more difficult for them. So sometimes they just need some extra um, assistance with developing some coping strategies to deal with all these powerful emotions. Um, so it really can be different than it is for children. I think too. I'm often, I'm often pleasantly, I guess, surprised, or maybe I talk with parents, grandparents were sort of pleasantly surprised that, you know, these little ones have this childlike faith, and they'll often say, well, you know, of course I miss, you know, the person, let's say, who's died, but I know that they're in heaven, so I'm happy, and it's all good, and they just, um, and they maybe don't grieve in the way that adults might expect. I've seen that happen many times, that kids can often be much more resilient, and I think, in large part, because of that childlike faith, then, then sometimes teens or adults.
1: Yep, I can definitely uh, definitely see that. Oh, you know, don't be sad because so and so is in heaven. And um, I mean, the Christian, the the grown-up Christian, knows that, like right. with the head, but the heart is still still grieving. Um, mm-hmm. How do you how do you address kind of that disconnect between? I mean, what we know, you know, as the facts of our faith from scripture and the feelings of of going through this experience.
2: Yeah, I think sometimes to just validate that as a very normal human experience that sometimes our heads and our hearts just don't agree that we can take so much comfort in all of God's wonderful, amazing promises to us in scripture that um He promises to be our strength and our rock. He promises to be a God of comfort. He promises that he is close to the brokenhearted. And while all of that can bring us so much comfort, while we um, can take such joy in knowing that as believers, we look forward to a, a heavenly reunion one day, and that can bring us so much comfort that our hearts can still ache and we can still be very sorrowful and sad. And that's not somehow a reflection of having a poor faith or a weak faith. Um, I think it's a reflection of being human, that we can know one thing yet feel another. Mm-hmm. And to just normalize it, that that's not bad, that's not wrong, it's it's quite common. Wow.
1: Uh-huh. And I can see, you know... Um, in that case, the Christian can recognize that this is this is part of being a human. This mm-hmm. is like that um that signal that says i've I've experienced a loss that was a very deep deep loss or a personal mm-hmm. connection and and it's okay you know it's not wrong of me to feel this way, even when at the same time I recognize you know my loved one, or um, whatever the loss would have been, my loved Mm -hmm. one is safe, and everything is okay. At the same time, um, there's this human aspect to things.
2: There is, that I think our emotions are God-given, that we are created as being emotional beings, and that um, we know that giving expression to our emotions is a very healthy thing to do, that, Um, If someone bottles up or stuffs those emotions, someone tries to suppress them or repress them, um, that's, I think, when people often encounter a lot of complications and difficulties Um, because you can only do that for so long. You can only Mm -hmm. stuff anger for so long before some relatively often minor uh Irritation or annoyance happens, and then people just explode. leaving those around them thinking, what on earth just happened? Um, Because all that you're aware of is, you know, the little incident that just happened, but you're not aware of the 10 or the 20 or the 50 that came before it that led to this big explosion. Um, Or people who um, think that somehow it's weak to cry or to shed a tear. I think... You know, especially sometimes men may feel like um, that's not a manly thing to do. And, and, and I hope that we are coming to the point where we can all say that there's nothing weaker, somehow unmanly, about um, a guy shedding tears in sorrow and loss. Um, it think be a sign of tremendous strength. And, um, and think,
1: suddenly, of, uh, think of Jesus at the grave of Lazarus. You know, who's right? stronger than the Son of God?
2: And he weeps. Yeah, right. he weeps. Right. So, um, so we know that um, that expressing our emotions in healthy ways. So, if that's sad, if that's depression, you know, having a good cry. Um, for some people, that's writing a letter. For some people, that's having a balloon release. For some people, that's placing flowers at a graveside. For some people, that's donating money to a charity that helps to find or fund new research to develop a cure um, for something that... Um, there can be many positive ways to help someone express that sorrow. Um, sometimes it can be done through music. Sometimes it can be done through art. Sometimes it can be done through talking. But but giving voice to that sorrow is going to be important. Letting the anger out in safe ways. Um, punching a pillow. Exercising. um Talking again to someone. Um, I worked with a lot of kids who like to take out Play-Doh or sculpting clay and and just mash it and mush it. That can be a safe way to get out anger. Mm-hmm. Kicking a soccer ball, hitting a tennis ball. There's a lot of different healthy, appropriate ways to let out anger, and that that is um, a wise thing to do. Um, Otherwise, again, when we start to stuff those emotions, it can often lead to um, complications and it can lead even to things like physical ailments, headaches, stomach aches, GI issues, um, and even more serious uh, conditions if this goes on for long enough, like heart disease or even things like cancer. So it's important to um, have the opportunity to to express these emotions, to feel these emotions without um, feeling ashamed or embarrassed or guilty for having them.
1: That has got to be just incredibly freeing for somebody to hear.
2: I think for many clients it really is. That You mean I'm not being a bad Christian if I'm angry? No. Even if I'm angry at God? No, I think God knows, (laughs) and I think God can handle it. Um, Mm -hmm. He understands. He understands. Um, And so I think to say, you know, in prayer, Dear Lord, please help me, help me, help me. Um, You know, I love you so much, but God, I'm just so angry. You know this. Please, Lord, help me um, to turn this anger into something positive and constructive, not something destructive. Um, So I think even expressing anger at or towards God is important. If you're angry, sometimes Mm -hmm. people get angry with themselves, like maybe I should have done something. Maybe we should have gone to the doctor sooner or done this or done that. Um, And boy, that kind of guilt or um, anger at oneself, not healthy. Um, Or being angry with others and refusing to forgive if there's any sense about you know if only someone else had done this or that maybe we wouldn't be in this position mm-hmm. that's not a very healthy thing to dwell on either so forgiveness of self forgiveness of others even forgiveness for the person who's uh passed on if there has been a death is is very therapeutic it's very cathartic
1: wow fantastic and that, um that kind of leads us into the next <clears throat> the next kind of question i had um, because the person who has experienced a loss, whatever that loss may be, you know the loss mm-hmm. of a job or a divorce, um you know when I was a child, the loss of a dog um oh sure, or the the death of a death of a loved one. Mm-hmm. It seems like everybody else um you know friends and relatives and acquaintances who haven't didn't have that same relationship mm-hmm. very often kind of get back to their normal lives after. About two months or so, mm-hmm. and um, and sometimes it seems like they almost expect the person who is grieving to be the be the same way, to have moved past the grief. Um,
2: right.
1: But you know, in the context of context of grief, um, kind of what's what's normal, or what are mm-hmm. some what are some red flags um, during that grieving process?
2: Yeah, excellent or, question or questions. Yeah, Yeah, I think many people say, right, that after an immediate loss, you know, maybe there's a funeral, there's an outpouring of um, emotions, people come for a wake, a visitation, the burial, people bring over food, they send cards, they send flowers, um, that there's just, you know, so much support and just how comforting that can be. But as is almost always the case, over the following weeks and months, that begins to diminish. And I've talked with many people who said, oh, my goodness, that, you know, just as kind of that shock and denial is wearing off, that that's probably when I need the, the support the most, is often when people are kind of moving on and maybe I get it the least. And it's not that people are necessarily unkind or unloving or uncaring, but, but their lives are moving on. But, gosh, mine kind of feels like it's not. And um, and so just, I think, encouraging people to know that there is no deadline. You do not have to be done grieving two months from now if the loss happens today. Um, there is no rush on this process. Um on the other hand, we don't want to have this take too long, and I can talk about that in a moment as well, that if someone's still yeah. grieving, you know, a decade later, well, now maybe we need to, to offer them some assistance to kind of help them to move on too. Um, but I think for many people, especially if it's been a significant loss, let's say the loss of a spouse, you've been married for, um, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you are not in all likelihood going to move on from that in a month or two. Um And so, knowing that this could easily take six months, 12 months, hopefully at 18 months, 24 months, you're moving much closer to that acceptance phase, um, but that you may still be having some of those struggles. That would not necessarily indicate that anything is problematic or wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, Having said that, I think maybe we've all known sometimes where you see, let's say, someone loses a spouse and just within a matter of a few months, they're getting remarried to someone that they just recently met. And you think, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness. Um, and I think often the people are doing that for comfort, um, but sometimes that can be too soon. Um, or you see people who seem to have gotten stuck in the grieving process. Um, I find very often for people who've lost a child, Um, that that's one of the most, I think, difficult losses to ever experience, Um, that that can be so hard. Um, Mm -hmm. That with every birthday, that when, you know, the graduation day rolls around, for example, um, they see all their child's friends, you know, crossing the stage, getting diplomas, just for example, that that can really um, reignite some grief all over again. So, Um, For some people, the grieving process, again, may be completed in large part, but yet there can still be kind of those flare-ups, so to Mm -hmm. speak, Um, and that's okay, too. So I think some warning signs that may indicate that someone uh, maybe wants to talk with a professional to seek some additional guidance is if they're not coping well, and that can be exhibited in a variety of ways. Um, One is, you know, is someone, let's say, just not functioning like they used to? Are they either, like, not sleeping well, again, for weeks or months, or maybe they're just sleeping excessively for weeks or months? Um, Is someone having a dramatic change in their appetite? Have they had a, a noticeable weight gain or weight loss? Um, Is someone drinking too much, turning to drugs? Are they um, trying to soothe themselves through other maybe unhealthy things like gambling, sex, um, other kind of addictive behaviors? Obviously, those would all be things that you probably want to seek a professional for. Um, Does someone just seem angry? Do they seem like they have gotten just kind of caught in Bitterness and yeah, and just anger and um, or has someone just kind of gotten caught in the depression? And maybe now this isn't just the depression that you find with grief. Maybe it's really become more like a major depressive disorder that can certainly happen. Um, So there can be times when people um, do need some some special assistance and guidance to be able to kind of get through this process in a more healthy way. Mm -hmm. And the good news is if that's the case, there are a lot of wonderful qualified um, pastoral counselors and uh, professional counselors that, that can really be of help.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, just last year Pastor Matic had come to our congregation here in Fairmont and uh presented a little bit about the the MAP program, the member assistance program. Um, would you be able to speak about that for just a minute? Because I know like the people that were there that they probably have a decent grasp if they r- remember. But um, okay. maybe if you could fill our listeners in a little bit on what that is and how technology can help address um, some of these these issues of grief
2: Mm -hmm. yes about ten years ago um, Christian Family Solutions decided to um, begin to work with expand services to other Wells Lutherans not just those who might live within driving distance of one of our clinics um, but who might be situated anywhere across the US um, or really anywhere across the globe through our member assistance program, which basically gives um, Well's churches and schools the opportunity to contract with our organization so that if a member of the congregation or if a student at one of the schools um, is identified as being in need of some professional counseling, that we can um, facilitate that. And it can be such a simple process and also such a powerful one where basically um, one of our Christian counselors can uh, be at any of our offices sitting in front of, let's say, our computer or our laptop that has a webcam. Mm -hmm. And a client can go to our website uh, it was just a, f- a matter of just a few clicks on uh, that web page. Get connected to um, a counselor with a highly a secure uh, webcam video connection. It's sort of like an extra uh, secure version of Skype, for example. Okay. And so it's very confidential. Um, people can feel very safe that their privacy and confidentiality is being highly guarded. And so we can sit and talk um, over many miles. And um, what we are finding is that especially for younger adults and for adolescents, Sometimes they actually prefer this method of counseling (laughs) versus driving into the clinic. Um, And even some older adults like it. Um, Mm -hmm. And especially if someone lives far away from a clinic, um, this can really be a tremendous blessing to know that I may not have to go any farther than my my living room, my dining room, the bedroom, the basement, um, yep. in order to get hooked up with somebody who's really competent. And one of the other nice things is that we have a variety of specialists um, here at our agency. So as I mentioned, I tend to specialize in trauma, um, but we have people who specialize in uh, women's issues, uh, marriage, addictions, anxiety, anxiety. Uh, PTSD in veterans, and the list kind of goes on and on. So you might live, let's say, close to a clinic, but maybe there's not a a clinician who has a specialty in the area that you or your loved one needs. Well, we can often help to provide that with Mm -hmm. tremendous ease. So this has been a wonderful program, um, and it has grown very, very um, quickly, um, and it has now been able, we've been able to reach out to uh, Wells Christians, again, across the country and across the globe. So what a blessing um, this technology has been to us.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I suppose that would be one of the ways that a Christian congregation can, can help support um, people who you know, who are grieving, who have experienced a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one, one thing that our congregation has done. We we had signed up for um, like a 10-pack of, of counseling sessions, and then we can mm-hmm. offer those free of charge.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and that's been a tremendous blessing for us as well.
2: Well, thank you for mentioning that piece that it's the church or it's the school that right that signed that contract. And yeah. then it's a free service to that student or that congregation member. And so many clients have said, this is just amazing, that my church or that my child's school would demonstrate their Christian love to us in this way, that they would um, sort of put money behind Mm -hmm. their words, that these aren't just hollow words, but they're actually making this available to me, that this is just um, a godsend, because maybe I've been struggling with this on my own, or I didn't know where to go. Mm -hmm. Um, We certainly had clients who said, you know, I've tried other counselors in the past, but maybe they weren't Christian, and I really want that... Christian counseling aspect of things. Mm-hmm. And so um, we received wonderful feedback from uh, clients about the benefits of this program.
1: Yeah, so then there's, there's no question, um, will my insurance cover this, or do I have the funds because I haven't met my deductible yet? Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> put all that off the table. Do you need to speak with somebody? Then we'll provide that for you.
2: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so this program just continues to grow by leaps and bounds.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, speaking about a family of Christians, um, how else? You know, what are some things that you've seen or heard, perhaps, that Christian congregations can do to, uh, to help support people who have experienced a loss? Mm-hmm. Um Not just in the you know first month or two but but over time as well, if there's anything that comes to mind,
2: yeah, I think um many congregations have developed support groups, so if there's been a loss, you know they say let 's have a meeting once a month and we will um, maybe ask pastor to come and lead a devotion, and then we can kind of talk amongst ourselves about um, what I have found has been helpful to me, what scripture Mm -hmm. passages really touched my heart, um, what coping mechanisms and strategies I found beneficial or I found weren't, um, and to just be able to draw strength from knowing that I'm not alone, that um, there are other people who understand the power of a group, is an amazing thing. So I think um, considering starting a support group, I know of other congregations, or maybe just one or two or three or just a handful of people who really kind of have a heart for reaching out to those who are hurting emotionally, um, have simply volunteered to say, you know what, I would be glad to make a follow-up phone call maybe once a week, maybe every other week, once a month as time goes on, just to kind of touch base with that person, so that we don't have this phenomenon where there's this tremendous support for the first week, the first month or two, and then someone starts to feel very lonely and isolated. Let's continue to offer that support on an ongoing, regular basis. And I think that very informal kind of support can be wonderful. Um, so I think those are a couple of the things that I have seen other congregations do that have, I think, been very effective, very powerful.
1: Yeah, that um, that would be fantastic as mm-hmm. so, well. Um, is there anything else that comes to mind? Um, you talked a little bit before about... Some, some good ways of, of dealing with, with grief or addressing anger, you know, like exercising, um, mm-hmm. you know, playing with Play-Doh for a child, mm-hmm. and uh, just looking for things that avoid the detrimental ways of coping with grief. Um, yeah. Anything else that you could think of to help deal with grief and its pain in a healthy fashion, or uh, or some of the resources that might be available in that
2: regard. Sure, sure. Well, I think, you know, when it comes to anger management strategies, um, you know, God tells us, in our anger, do not sin. He doesn't say, don't be angry. He says, in your anger, don't sin. So I think, you know, what I stress to people is, in your anger, um, don't hurt yourself, don't hurt anybody else, and don't damage anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And the good news is that there's then a multitude of ways that you can release anger in safe, healthy, positive ways. Um, I think exercise is one of the greatest ways. And especially if that exercise can involve hitting or kicking something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Many people say it is so beneficial. I go to the batting cages and I pick up that baseball bat and I hit that ball as hard as I can and I walk out of there feeling better. Yeah. Um, I just had a mother and daughter in my office just yesterday who said, Oh, we went, we played racquetball. We hit that ball harder than we've ever hit it. We both walked out of there feeling so good. And this again was in regards to a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so kicking a soccer ball, kicking a football, hitting a tennis ball, um, I think that can be a great benefit. And again, there's such energy that can get, um, we can get such physical arousal when we get angry that you sometimes just need to burn that off. Um, And so exercise can be wonderful. Um, Mm -hmm. I think for many people, again, finding a way to express that anger. And some of this can be very applicable to depression as well. So many people say journaling is wonderful. You know, where I don't have to worry about anybody else reading this this is for my eyes only and I I can write in my my least neat handwriting and who cares about my penmanship or my grammar this is just for me to have the opportunity to kind of pour out my heart and soul onto paper and often just kind of it takes all these thoughts that might be swirling through our minds and and helps make them concrete now now I can see them on paper they're black and white and maybe now I can kind of give Some more thought to is this realistic? Is this really worth my time? Um, For some people, it's writing poetry, writing lyrics to music. For some people, it's painting, sculpting, drawing or sketching, um, that those can be wonderful ways to release anger. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's getting a hug, Um, (laughs) just asking somebody to just cuddle with you on the couch. Um, just wanting somebody to put their shoulder around you and just physical comfort can be a wonderful thing. Again, for anger or depression. Um, sometimes it can involve doing things that are just very soothing. So, you know, being extra kind to yourself. Cook your favorite dinner. Enjoy your favorite um, movie. Wear your most comfy shoes. Put on your favorite mm-hmm. shirt. Listen to your favorite music. Um, do things that are comforting and that are soothing. Um, gosh, the list could go on and on. There's so yeah, many. Definitely. When you yeah,
1: definitely. open it up but like I,
2: that. Yeah, but I think often talking to somebody, finding one, two, three, four people that you really feel you can trust to just be able to, to say things like, Oh, my gosh! This came up to memory, and it triggered all these emotions um, that talking is just such a powerful way that God has built us for a relationship, and that can be a tremendous source of strength and then I think, of course, you know prayer, um, opening up our concordance and taking a look at what does God have to say about anger, what does he say about sorrow mm-hmm. What did he say about peace and comfort and joy? What does he say about grieving? Um, writing out those passages, um, keeping them to your bathroom mirror, reciting them multiple times a day, I think just meditating on God's holy word, um, because He is obviously our 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 true source of comfort and joy and restoration.
1: Wow. Well that uh that is very, very helpful, and um, it just kind of opens up the whole, the whole box or the whole idea that the grief is normal, mm-hmm. and um, and so when we try to soothe the pain, we just um, we we find something constructive that says, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of time for this particular activity or this you know favorite pair of shoes um, because that that helps me as a person. And that's, yeah. that's okay.
2: Right. God is patient and gentle. Let's be patient and gentle to ourselves and with ourselves.
1: You'd say that a lot better than, uh, than I could. Have.
2: Well, thank you. That's very kind of you.
1: Yeah. Um, I've got just uh, just one more question, I guess. Um, due to the, the unexpected nature of grief, um sometimes, mm-hmm. what you know all of a sudden something comes out of the blue that you aren't expecting? What can mm-hmm. Christians do today um, so that our family or we ourselves or a our congregation is better prepared for the unexpected?
2: Mm-hmm. Good question. I think there are some things that we can we can kind of prepare for to a certain degree. I think maybe as I mentioned earlier, birthdays, holidays anniversaries, um, I think often the the first, the first holiday after a loss, the first anniversary after a loss. Often those firsts can be the most challenging to get through. Often the second's a little bit easier, the third a little bit easier still, and so on. So sometimes thinking in advance about what do we want to do? So if there's been a death, let's say, and then well, Easter is just days away. Let's say we're all gathering for Easter, but we're going to be short one very precious soul mm-hmm. who's not going to be with us in person. What do we want to do? Do we want to still set his or her place at the table? Do we want to say a special prayer, um, thanking God for for all the wonderful memories that we have? Do we want to go around the table and everybody share a favorite memory? Do we want to gather a special offering that we send either to church or to um, the charity of that person's choice as a way to honor them? Um, what do we want to do? So mm-hmm. sometimes we can kind of plan for that. Um, do we still want to make a birthday cake when their birthday rolls around? Do we still want to sing happy birthday, even if we're crying while we're singing it? Mm-hmm. Um So some of those things we can kind of have some discussions and and think about what would help to make this easier. And I I might note that often what people tell me is that the anticipation of those holidays or those events is more stressful than the actual event itself. That's kind of the good news. Um, But then there are going to be those times when, gal darn, you know, some sappy commercial comes on TV or... Some song comes on the radio, and oh, goodness. And suddenly, this flood of emotions comes over you. And there was no preparing for that. It just happened out of the clear blue. I think then, once again, to let yourself just have those emotions, to just say, wow, um, even these weeks, months, maybe years later, isn't it amazing that, that I had such love for this individual that even after all this time... Just one image, one smell, one word, one song can can take me back so quickly, so intensely. Um, and again, recognize that that can be very normal, and just be very gentle with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to happen. It will.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, part of life in our in this world.
2: It is indeed.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, this has been this has been tremendously helpful. Um, I know for for me and probably for our listeners as well. Um, just one more question: as we're kind of wrapping up, and this one is uh, pretty wide open. Is there anything that you'd like to leave with our listeners today, um, related to you know your work, your area of expertise, um, especially after celebrating Easter this past Sunday?
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think just to be reminded that as Christians, um, God has amazing plans for us, does he not? And that while things can seem awfully sorrowful and bleak on Good Friday, boy, they can be so amazing on come Easter Sunday. And so I think just to take heart that we will go through um, losses. We will have grief in our life. Um, but God, who is an amazing restorer and an amazing healer, um, um, who promises to work all things out for the good of those who love him, um, when we put our trust in him, can um, can take that sorrow and can turn it into um, something actually kind of beautiful and very special.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Well, um, thank you again for, for your time and for sharing a little bit of your, your expertise and experience with us. Um, and <laughs> we really appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure.
1: So if somebody wants to get in contact with you or with uh, Christian Family Solutions, um, where would they where would they look?
2: Yeah, they can go to christianfamilysolutions.org. Um, if you just put that into a search engine, we should pop up immediately. Um, Or we have a toll-free number, which is 1-800-438-1772. So people can also give a call, and um, any of the staff would be happy to assist.
1: Thanks so much, and uh, have a wonderful day.
2: Thank you. Same to you, Pastor.
0: Jerusalem, the gold Thanks for listening to Green Pastures with Jesus, the audio home of Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church of Fairmont, Minnesota. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our website, lakes.net. Pass that along to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archives section at our website for previous podcasts. You can find us 9.30 a.m. Sunday mornings at 323 e. 1st Street in Fairmont, just up the hill from Richard's Towing. Any questions, contact me, Pastor Hagen, 507-236-9572. God bless your day. What
1: bliss